Kitty and welcome to Tipping the Balance. Today we're speaking to Andy Coley. Andy is an NLP trainer, speaker and coach. Now Andy's going to describe how 10 years ago his life had lost all balance and he felt he was at rock bottom. We're going to hear what he did to turn his life around and what balance means to him now. Can I say that? <laughs> no, that's to. a bit weird. <laughs> Sophie and Andy. Probably my podcast and Sherry with my friend's husband. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So here we are in your marital bed, popping my podcasting cherry with, yes, um, my friend and colleague's husband, Andy. Welcome. Hello, how are you doing? I'm really good, thank you. Very happy to be back in your house after so long. It's yeah, awesome um, to see you. You've disappeared off down to the West Country. <laughs> West Country fugitive, yeah. <laughs> seeking a uh, Seeking a better life with more balance. I'm really excited to hear from you today because your story is I think really inspirational and I think lots of people would learn quite a lot. What prompted me to ask you to be interviewed is um, seeing you post on Facebook about where you were 10 years ago versus where you are now and the decisions you made back then have sort of led you to be where you are now. So I just would love to yeah hear you kind of tell that story um, and the steps that took you to where you are now cool. that would be okay <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah I mean so this is all about tipping the balance I guess that's yep. the, the, the podcast and I've certainly found back in Christmas 2010 my balance was well out of whack it was yeah I, I guess it wasn't at that point my lowest point but it certainly I had been very very low mm. um and it was that where do I go from here? What do I do next? What my, you know, life just felt absolutely trashed at that point. You know, I was moving back home with my parents. I was 35 years old. I'd, you know, been married for 11 years at that point. Mm. Um, I'd had businesses where I had teams of people that I had to sack. Uh, other ones where we'd had investors who'd lost hundreds of thousands of pounds, including friends and family. Lots and lots of stuff was just so bad at that time. And my, you know, my health, my mental health was definitely mm. suffering. Um, and my physical health was really bad as well. I was working 18 hour days, eating junk. Mm. It was just, you know, when I look back at it, I was, you know, it was just a shell of myself basically. Mm. Um, and I was 23 stone in weight, which is 142 kilos for any, anybody not in the UK. Wow. Um, and uh, I've been holding on literally to stuff. You know, I wasn't, I was a, my, my conflict style was to avoid, you know, I didn't communicate really well my ex-wife you know I didn't communicate what was going on for me what didn't communicate what was going on financially you know with my with my own sort of thoughts and I just kind of hung on to it or I was trying to trying to help by not burdening somebody else but I was just absorbing it and mm. taking it on to the point where that that heavy weight of the burden definitely meant that my end of the scales was rock bottom on the floor you know and I just couldn't see how to how to restore some kind of balance basically um and at that time, I was really thankful to know a friend of mine who was an NLP master practitioner, mm-hmm. so neuro-linguistic programming master practitioner. And so he coached me, you know, just as a friend. We'd been doing some work together, um, and I'd known him for a long time. And he was always one of those people that was you'd sort of go to for advice, you'd sort of chat with. 
Um, and I wasn't a very good sharer, as I was saying, mostly an avoider, but he could see through the sort of facade, the masks that we put on sometimes when we just say, yeah, everything's okay. You know that, yeah, I'm good. When really I wasn't. <laughs> so is this coaching a, th- a form of therapy? Is that, or is it not? What's the difference between yeah, well, coaching um, and therapy? Therapy and counselling tend to be very focused into the past. They look at the why. Coaching tends to be much more forward focused and looking at the what do I do next? You know, okay. bear in mind where I am, bear in mind what I've got, you know, then what can I do to shape myself off and, and focus on the next thing? Um, and so he wasn't a therapist, but he was a coach. And so he helped me by coaching um, and shifting and changing because so much in my life was wrong. You know, lots of areas weren't working. You know, um, we focused first of all on my health. You've got to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, and we looked at strategies, things that would work in order for me to become healthier, you know, to start exercising some more, to eat better, um, to basically have self-care, you know, mm-hmm. to start loving my, myself again. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I did was I actually went to a boot camp because um, I recognised that I quite liked group environment and I liked other people and I need to be pushed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd met this guy called Topsy and he was an ex-Royal Navy PT. Um, and Topsy um, was the kind of, you know, guy that you could go to, wouldn't give you the, the BS, basically. Okay. It wouldn't give you that sort of, yeah, yeah, you'll be all right. Yeah, he's like, you know, you need to sort this out. This is what you need to do. And I paid for 10 sessions, which included getting weighed in, yeah, and I was committed, you know. So I've got to, I can't waste my money, got to do my 10 sessions. Mm-hmm. And the first session was awful, awful. Oh. It, was, it, was, it was on a winter's evening in a playground, um, in a, a school. We're in this um, school hall. And it's got the old-fashioned wooden things on the wall whether for the climbing frames oh, and wow. all yeah. of that stuff. <laughs> and they're set up with the benches. And there was about 15, 20 people in there all doing their boot camp stuff, most of them in their skinny lycras um, and everything else. Um, and I walked in there and, you know, I was still confident even though I was bigger, but I, I walked in there and started doing the fitness session. Um, and then just after the warm-up, I started seeing stars. Um, wow! And I spent the rest of that first session hung on to these railings by the side with this guy called Gary giving me an energy bar um, because basically before I went to the session I had a tin of grapefruit and a sandwich from the um, petrol station thinking that that would give me energy for the session. I didn't know about you know fueling my body, protein, carbohydrates, any of that stuff. I just wasn't educated in myself about that stuff. Okay. Um, and I think Topsy was like, oh my God, we've got, got one to work on here. <laughs> but, it got, but it got better after that. You know, the camaraderie of the group, yeah. the, the people, you know, fueling me on. Yeah. Um, and Topsy was brilliant, you know, setting targets, right. You know, let's get you out on some runs and, you know, and obviously more and more boot camps, more and more running, you know, had the time. The fact that, you know, the mostly women going there and I was newly single, I, you know, I kind of got that buzz. I thought it was nice as well. Um, <laughs> and But all those things were, were actually good strategies for spurring me on. Um, and I lost six and a half stone in weight in nine months, so 32 kilos. And I can't imagine having 32 bags of sugar in, a shop, in shopping baskets and holding on to them. Like that weight, you know, and that was strapped to my body for years and years and years. Yeah. Um, and it's made my knees suffer now and it's, you know, lots of other things that that has had a knock on effect. Mm. Um, but because I started to take ownership of my health, it started to get the balance restored in an area. Yep. And slowly but surely, 
then I started to do other things, um, you know, around that. So I learned about NLP, you know, having been coached with it, I got inspired to go in and go on a training session, like an intro session. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew there and then that I really wanted to do this. Okay, so can you just explain in a bit more detail what NLP actually is and um, and what it does and what yeah. it attracted you to, to learn more about it? So NLP, neurolinguistic programming, is about the study of the way that the mind works. So how you take in and process information, how that information is processed uniquely by you, you know, be based on your own memories, your own beliefs, your values, the things that happened in your life before. You know, what you think of, feel about somebody, what you've been told about them or not. Um, the way that you pick up on other people's gestures based on maybe the way your teacher did a particular thing in the past. And all of this processing creates your, your unique map of the world, that we say in NLP. So there's no such thing as reality, but the experience that you're living and the experience that I'm living are based on our way of processing that information. Okay. So like you and, um, you know, your partner Fred could go to the cinema, watch the same film that's being beamed on the same screen and you have two different experiences of it. Mm-hmm. Now, if I go to um, cinema with my wife, Sophie, you know, if it's a Marvel action flick, I'm there. I love it before I even stepped in. I, I know that that three hour CGI fest is just going to be amazing because I, I, I already love it, particularly if it's got Thor in. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> my man crush. It's fine. You know, but Sophie might go and go, oh, she's, you know, She'd rather watch something else. Yeah. You know? I'm sure you enjoy the experience, but not to the extent. But the film is a film. But our expectations ahead of the film are part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the way that we're processing the film is we're watching what we already know about the characters, how much we're invested in the storyline. All of those things create our unique experience of it. Okay. And so that's, that's the neuro part. The, the our part is that all of that information comes out through our language. So it comes out through the words that we're saying, the way we're, the way we're saying it, the tonality, and also our body language. So there's lots that you can pick up about communication from observing all of somebody. Mm. Um, And then the P bit is the patterns and programs. Mm. So what are the patterns and and ways that you do things in your life that are really empowering? And then what are the things that are not so empowering? And those are the kind of negative patterns and the spirals and all the things that we can get caught up in. Um, And I used to be a web developer. So I went from um, programming computers to programming people. <laughs> and, and often when I'm talking, because I, you know, I do a lot of training and speaking and, and um, coaching using NLP now. I mean, that's my full-time job. Um, is you know, We come out of the box with like an iPhone or an Android. You know, we've got pre-installed apps. They're already there, but it's ready to go. Mm. You know, and you go through life and you take pictures, you store memories. You know, our parents stick apps are on, you know, on there for us. Our teachers install some more, you know, and we end up with this unique phone that is ours. But sometimes we need to clear off. We need to get rid of some of those apps, some of those things that don't work for us. Mm-hmm. You know, even change our mind about some of those memories, you know, reflect on them and go, actually, knowing what I know now, what could I have done differently then? And so for me, that's what NLP gives you, that ability to know that your mindset is not set, that you can change. And there's lots of neuroscience to back up the way that we process information and neuroplasticity and all sorts of other elements that go in to create the world that you see around you. But that's that's why I love supporting people and working with people to particularly to help them get coached or become coaches because mm. I really recognise the value it did for me. Um, and that's why I love training people using NLP and, and speaking about it because it you know it literally changed my mind mm. and that's changed my life. 
So in your, when you were being coached at the beginning that then sort of set you on your um, kind of discovery journey to learn about your health and get more well and get more balance in your um, health and fitness and well-being, what, um, what was it particularly about the way your experience with that coaching that kind of made you think okay I, I can I can make a change here what what was your as as you know because you're now a teacher but when you go back to that experience of you um, being coached is there a particular was there one kind of like aha moment that made you think do you know what yeah I've what am I doing? I can just, I, I can change, I can do something else. Or was it just a gradual? It, it is often the aha moments. It's the, the, the light bulbs that pop on and go, wow, I've never thought about it like that before. You know, mm -hmm. I'd never realised that. And for me, that's the art of, of coaching. Mm -hmm. um, when I'm coaching people, it's always that they have to come up with their own advice. You know, that that person has to come up with their solutions. Yeah. Because if you're telling somebody what to do, if I say, Katie, what you need to do tomorrow is to go and do this, this and this. You go, yeah, whatever. But you've no idea what's happening in my life. You have no idea what's happening tomorrow. That doesn't work for me. Whereas if you come up with some ideas about what you can do, you're far more likely to do them. And the same thing's true for coaching. Mm -hmm. So the aha moments come by, first of all, acknowledging where that person is and then asking them what would they like to have happen about it? Mm -hmm. What is it that they can control, can own, that's going to create them being a little bit more, we call it at cause. Because when you're feeling at effect of everything that's going on to you, you know, I can't do this because of my health. I can't do this because I haven't got any money. I can't do this. I can't, can't, can't. Like the worst four letter C word in the English language is can't. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because when you've got that mindset, it limits you. It creates boundaries. It puts boxes, cages around you. And you end up thinking, oh, no, I can't move out of London and go down to Devon. I can't you know, take on this kind of role. I can't have another child because mm. you know, of all these reasons. And all of these things culminate in creating your reality. Yeah. And it's not true, but you perceive it to be true. Yeah, so you, essentially, you are the creator of your own reality and you can be, find yourself trapped by your limiting yeah. beliefs. I mean, this might be a harsh way of describing it but people sometimes would say you know if you have a like a victim complex and you think the whole world is against you mm -hmm. and you're powerless to change it is that I mean is there some truth in in that or is that a bit of a well, harsh I mean, way of wording it in a sense yes you know if what you're looking for you will find so if you're looking for problems if you're looking for people who are trying to put you down if you're looking for reasons why you can't then you will find them mm. And this isn't the glass half full thing of just thinking everything rose tinted glasses. Let's just imagine ourselves happy, you know, and at the same time, you have to take tiny steps, but tiny, small steps, the cumulative effect of that is massive. So whatever you can do to take some control, and that's where a coach is your guide. A coach should be walking alongside you. They're not doing it for you. They're not solving your problems. They're not waving a magic wand, but they're helping you to pick yourself up dust yourself off and go right what can I control next mm. what's the one next thing that's going to make a difference for me in my life mm. and it needn't be a massive thing it can just be something really simple mm. but the knock-on effect of doing that one thing means that you can then start to look at what's next after that and so for me that's the that's the real power of NLP and the power of coaching mm. and what would be 
some of the most common reasons that someone would seek out an NLP coach um I mean I guess it's your example is is one of sort of uh, personal development I guess all of these it's all a journey of personal development in a way but what what might be some of the other reasons that somebody would seek out an NLP coach um it's all all sorts of reasons quite quite often it's because they're acknowledging they've gone as far as they can to try and solve their own problem and they need a bit of external support so it's a little bit like um you know if you see two friends and they're a bit, a bit of an argument but from the outside it's really obvious to you that saying the same thing you know or that there is a solution there but they can't see it yeah uh, when you're in your stuff when the stuff's hitting the fan for you you know when you're in your red brain you're very reactive you're very like oh you know what do i do next you cannot often see a solution at that moment in time mm-hmm. so when you're feeling like you don't know what to do next that's always a good time to go and seek a coach mm-hmm. because that person whether it be in business whether it be in your health whether it be a you know whatever kind of coach it could be nutrition could be birth you know whatever the field is where you feel like you don't know what to do next if you go and find a coach in that area mm-hmm. who's able to work with you then that person can from the outside often help you move outside of your problem to mm-hmm. find some more resources because you bring some more resources back into your problem, you're feeling you often feel a lot better. Mm-hmm. Now that resource could be that you think differently. Yeah. It might be actually that you have a way of staying calmer in a situation. It might be that you know actually there are ways of changing your mindset about something. And I work with people on all sorts of things, from stopping smoking to letting go of fears and phobias. You know, um, my because I got married again, so my wife now Sophie. Um, she's a hypnobirthing teacher mm. you know and sometimes i work with her clients for instance on things like needle phobias or you know even phobias around things like birth if it's for a birth partner mm. or you know there are all sorts of reasons why people get coaching mm. but typically it's because they're recognizing that they've had enough yeah okay. um and the key thing is to know you will get to the point where you've had enough without needing to get to the had enough moment <laughs> okay yeah because at that point where you know that you've had enough you often have you know one or two choices you either decide to not be here or you decide to do something about it mm. and i've i've had that had enough moment mm. and i went through that and that gave me the momentum to decide to change so on on that note so let's just go back a bit to where you are 35 you're living with your parents you've started this fitness journey you lost an enormous amount of weight in a relatively short period mm-hmm. of time what happened next um so then i um learned about nlp i went on that intro weekend mm-hmm. um and i looked at the cost of the training it was about ten thousand pounds to do the training and i went well if i don't pay my mum and dad rent for a year <laughs> then <laughs> the bank of mum and dad <laughs> then i could afford to do the training um and um that's what i did i, I learned nlp and then i met on that course of doing that training, uh, this brilliant woman called Jo Wilson, who is my business partner for the NLP training. Um, and Jo and I have, have been running our NLP training since, get on for 2013. So we're at this point in time in 2020, we're about to run our 22nd practitioner course. Um, over 250 people that we've trained, we work a lot in the NHS. All sorts of opportunities have, have opened up. You know, last year around programs at Groupon, this year I've worked with Arcadia. All sorts of things where I go into 
corporate organizations or um, healthcare organizations. And it might be talks, it might be lunch sessions just to help people's mindset change, or it could be coaching programs to help their managers to gift the ability for their um, their staff to have a different mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you know, business change. Then I met through one of the trainers on, on a course I was doing. Um, I got introduced to Sophie who, and we got married uh, four years ago this year. And um, at that point I became a stepdad uh, to this amazing guy called Freddie. Um, and I thought, wow, you know, it's I sort of reflected even six years after that, that moment um, when I was moving back home, my parents were like, wow, so much has changed. Yeah. And now, another four years on from there. Um, I've now got two daughters with Sophie as well as Freddie, and both of them born in the house that we're sat in <laughs> right now, Amazing. as you know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, yeah, Megan was born in our bathroom, it was just Sophie and I, where there's no midwives around. Um, they had been earlier and they'd gone because they thought things were slowing down. And then as soon as everybody left, of course, as happens, yep. um, <laughs> then Megan put in a very rapid appearance. Um, and that was definitely one of the uh, <laughs> the best catches of my life. Um, and um, yeah, B was born a year ago downstairs in the living room in a in a water pool. And Aww. and now again, I, I my my mindset around birth has changed. You know, I saw birth as a very hospitalised process. You know, my mum had had a bad birth; she'd almost died giving birth to me. You know, lots of blood, blah blah blah. Mm. You know, um, I'd, I've had friends who have died really close to birth through, you know, strep and all that kind of stuff. So birth to me did represent fear, did represent loss. Mm. Um, and that's one of the areas where my mindset had changed, mm. you know, because I found out about birth. I found out about the risks and how to offset those and how to, you know, be a birth partner and, and just the whole process of, of birth. Mm. Um, I can pretty much educate most people on lots of aspects of hitting the birthing now. <laughs> and in fact, on, on Sophie's um, course that she's running that's remote now, um, you know, I do take one of the sessions for birth partners. Mm. You know, I talk to the birth partners, male or female, you know, how do you get to be a birth partner at your best? Mm. You know, what, what is it you need to know in order to be there to support your birth goddess? Yeah. You know, and that's very much, um, you know, and again, it's passing on that knowledge. Yeah. I have no fear over birth. Somebody could give birth right in front of me and I would be fine you know it's no problem <laughs> no risk of that it. happening right now not right yeah. now no <laughs> um but I know that I could doula anybody you know and be around for people if they needed that because again that re-education of your mind means that you actually you're learning new skills all the time and this is your mind's infinite capability to learn new stuff so no matter how young or how old you are there's always things that you can expand your mind with that you can always get that and, and, and I feel more imbalanced now than I ever have. But the whole point for me is I don't think you ever are in balance. Mm-hmm. I think when you have balance, then something goes out of balance. Mm-hmm. And the reason things go out of balance is because you push yourself out of your comfort zone. Because by pushing yourself out of the comfort zone, you create unbalance. Okay. And then you rebalance it. Mm-hmm. So you might you know, you might decide to go for a new career and then you feel really out of balance for a while because it's a new environment, it's a new thing, it's new skills. Or you might have kids and mm-hmm. life feels completely out of balance for a while. Yeah. But then you rebalance it, you know, and things get easier. Mm-hmm. And I think the things get easier because the balance comes back in. Or you, you might push yourself with a financial venture or a thing. You know, you'll do something and you need to be out of balance to regain it. Yeah. So, so kind of what you're saying is, 
you know, if we were all just, if you're imag- imagining, you know, a set of scales, if we were all just completely balanced and that indicates somewhere that life's just completely static and you're not, there's there's no movement or, yeah, striving to do new things and, as you said, putting yourself out of the, out of your comfort zone. But if you are, if you're not static and you are trying new things and, you know, moving through life, it's always a process, yeah, of kind of recalibration and... Yeah learning um yeah how to how to deal with new situations as they arise yeah because if, if you want to get fitter you've got to put time into it that time's got to come out of something else yeah. uh, might mean that there are aspects of family that you miss or that work has to you know be missed in some of them or your friendship circle changes or you know if that if health is an important thing to pay you know to focus on other things have to give if you start a new business venture for an entrepreneur you've got to give out of other areas it could be out of your sleep out of your self-care or out of, you know different things will give and take depending on what comes along or maybe you know something happens to you in your own health and so you've got to pay more attention to that and other things have you know unbalanced because of it mm-hmm. and i think it's constantly this cycle of of creating it so that there's momentum by this changing of the balance mm-hmm. but it doesn't go down all the way mm-hmm. and it's not so far up that you lose everything else that you had and and on that point like what are things that you feel day to day that you do if there's kind of practices or um other things that you do in your life now that you try and um strive to keep you as balanced or you know tipping the balance in a positive way um obviously health and you know well-being must still be an ongoing you know element that's important to you um yeah what what are the things that you try and do I mean you're a busy dad of three (laughs) um running your own business um helping Sophie with her business as well obviously so there's a lot going on yeah how do you manage all of that um sometimes badly (laughs) other times well I think um yeah the, the, the real thing that's really tipped the balance at the moment has been because of the lockdowns and coronavirus and everything happening in the world, you know, having at one point five of us in the house homeschooling Fred at the same time that the two girls can't go to the childminder and running two, well, two businesses for me and one for my wife. And it's like, just, there wasn't a balance. It was just a whirlwind of, mm. of getting through the day. Mm. Um, my key practice, I think, that work really well partly for me a preparation so what have I prepped ahead of the next day it could be packing to do something or making sure I've got everything arranged for workshops that I'm running or um, whatever that happens to be Um, and often a bit of time and space just for myself to go out and do something could be a walk and that walk could be just dropping the kids off a childminder just having something and I, I'm a podcast listener so I like to listen and absorb lots of podcasts (laughs) Um, I find that that really helpful and comedy actually yeah. you know listening to comedy um i don't tend to watch much telly um i probably wish i had another six to eight hours in a week to go into uh, more gymming and more cycling i know that's an area that's out of balance for me at the moment okay. um and the trade-off has been you know focusing on working um you know and family and so it's an it's it's an unconscious but active choice um, at the moment that I know will tip back and come back in mm-hmm. when the time's right for it to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and this is for me it's, it's like a big sliding scale like one area can be working really well and you know the other ones have got to come up and and you know give and take and move and change mm. um i don't think it's one balance no. scale i think there are yeah. you know several Multiple. dozen yeah. <laughs> scales and so. i think i think that's highlights a key point that i people you hear people say all the time that you know or you just you're a bit out of balance or if only you had you know we're doing a bit more of this or a bit less of that then suddenly you know your your life would just be a whole lot better but I think there's a lot of pressure to you know you're you're very busy you're doing a lot of things and sometimes you know we we can't do everything and in fact actually yeah most of the time we can't do everything all the time and acknowledging that life does have these kind of peaks and troughs and having the tools maybe to deal with that natural variation and knowing that yeah what are the the little things you can do or acknowledging ah okay yes I know that cycling or going to the gym is something that helps me with my physical and mental health and I've noticed in the last two weeks I haven't done anything I haven't even been for a walk and then you know okay well there that these are the areas that I can start to try and bring back in yeah to um to help you tip the balance again Um, yeah because it's I I particularly find it because of the kids it's tricky you know um at the moment we've got two days a week where now both kids are at childminders so we can start to plan a bit more in for ourselves in that time be it work time or just you know being in the same space without it having to that playing tag team you know with the kids and um, because you know sometimes they wake up at five and sometimes they wake up at half six sometimes they go to bed at six and sometimes they go to bed at ten like having a daily routine where I can do my meditations do my yoga do my stretching and you know feel ready for the day doesn't quite work in our lives at the moment because there's too many variables so rather than setting that kind of structure up i just let it be and just work with whatever happens on the day Mm -hmm. um and just you know do the best i can within the day to try and get and and i and i have high standards and there's loads i would love to get done i've got this massive to-do list of all the things i would love to be doing you know from business to personal life um and i i'm just doing the best i can with what i've got available to me at that moment in time Mm um and look to um also acknowledge the wins in the day mm-hmm. you know, if you can go to bed and the last thought in your night uh, what at least at least today bear in mind what's happened bear in mind what the day's throwing at me what have i achieved because mm-hmm. it's so easy to pull up your to don't list mm. rather than your what i have achieved today list mm-hmm. so start if you do nothing else focusing on right i got that meeting booked in i did those things you know the kids they were dressed they haven't fallen over and they've been fed. Yeah. But whatever it happens to be, all those things are achievements, <laughs> you know, in a day. Yeah. So acknowledge, acknowledge those achievements. Yeah. And then that I think that sets you up for the next day with that, that mindset. And that's similar, well, similar in a way to having a gratitude gratitude journal or because I, I, that's something I try to do um, and to think, okay, what, what are the moments in the day to day that, have brought me joy or that I feel grateful for and actually sometimes a lot of those things are feeling grateful for have ha- having the time to have done something I wanted yeah. which may have been ticking off something on my to-do list because 
you yeah you can't take free time for granted now especially since lockdown (laughs) so just having the the gift of time is absolutely amazing and i I, I probably yeah i I guess i do that but more in a mental way because if i had a journal and i had it by my bed it'd be drawn in in 10 seconds flat (laughs) five pages would be pulled out and so i just i I mentally do a mental version of that you know journal's great if they work for you they work for you they work for me in my house because from one day to the next it probably won't be in the same place (laughs) um and and i'm gracious for that because I never thought I would be in this position where I'd have a family and a life like this Aww. and have the opportunity to talk like that yeah. um, about about and share this kind of stuff. Um, and every day I'm gracious for that. That's, yeah, that's amazing. I know, I feel like crying now hearing you say that. <laughs> yeah, that's so, that's so wonderful. And yeah, a big part of the reason that I wanted to invite you onto the podcast because, yeah, there'll be so many people maybe that feel that they are in a similar position to you 10 years ago and hearing about the journey that you've been on and where you are today is just amazing so thank you so much thank you and if anybody you know if you want to get in touch you want to talk about coaching or anything else you can uh, my website's andycoley.com so um, reach out you know if you've heard this and you know yeah you've had an aha moment or a thing uh, you know I just love it I love to get that kind of feedback I'm very um, you know, I love feedback. I love hearing how people have done. So mm-hmm. if there's anything that, that you want to chat about, just reach out online and um, just love to hear from people. I'll make sure that I put your details at, uh, with the, with this episode as well. So if anyone wants to find you, they can um, find you there. Perfect. Thank you, Andy. Thanks, Katie. Wonderful. Pleasure. Great. See you soon. <laughs> Oh, yeah.